I play my drum for him. What a powerful song with a powerful message. So I'm just going to preach on that song after I read a couple of verses. I want to show you how Jesus lived. When you think about the Lord Jesus, what do you think about? Well, here's one thing we need to keep in mind. Jesus played his drum, as it were, strictly for the Father. It says, He who sent me is with me. Why is he with me? The Father has not left me alone. Here's why. Because I always do those things that please him. So he was a God pleaser. Well, of course, he was God. But he lived his life out wrapped in skin, God wrapped in skin, as a God pleaser. Now, that's the way Jesus lived. Now, how are we to live? Well, Colossians 3.23 says we're to live the same way. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. So we're to live unto the Lord as God pleasers, not men pleasers. Let's pray today. Father, what a great song and what a great message and what a great time of year to get our compass set straight, realign our lives, and get in line with the will of God for us. And I pray that you'll help us to do that today, that we will play our drum for you and only for you. Thank you for a great, impactful, influential, Christ-glorifying new year. Will you breathe a prayer now and say, Lord, change my life today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you better perk up and listen. This is going to talk to you today. <laughs> the theme of today's service is focused on a powerful reality found in the Christmas hymn. That was my dad's favorite Christmas hymn. He's with the Lord now, but he loved the little drummer boy. Um... The truth is, concerning you and me, we all play for someone. We live our lives out with someone in mind. Either the approval of others or the approval of God. There's not a person in this place or listening to me by radio or video who does not live for one of two things, for the approval of men or for the approval of God. That separates people. It separates destinies. It separates fruitfulness from non-fruitfulness, anointing from non-anointing, influence from not being influential. Who do you live for? We will live our lives out, every one of us, as a man-pleaser or as a God-pleaser. The question is, who do you perform for? Now, I've thought this through because I had to prepare the message. I do my best. I'm not perfect, but I'm sincere to play my drum for him, to live for him. Who is your audience? The eyes of men or the watchful eye of God? The fear of the Lord is the continual awareness that God is watching and weighing in the scales every one of my thoughts, my words, my actions, and my attitudes. And if I live with that knowledge, I'll play my drum for him. There's a lot of Christians who believe in Christ and have asked him to come into their heart, but they haven't been delivered yet from the fear of men. Always afraid of what others are going to think, what they're going to say about them. And God wants to deliver us from that. The Bible teaches that when all is said and done, there's only one vote that will count. 
And I want to submit to you today that it's the vote of the audience of one. The audience of one. The Lord Jesus Christ. You're either playing for them or playing for Him. The beautiful Christmas song we just sang, Little Drummer Boy, uh, begins with a presumably young boy who learns of the birth of a new king, who is Jesus Christ. And he's invited to, to go visit the baby Jesus and bring a gift. And it says, quote, Come, they told me, a newborn king to see. Our finest gifts we bring to lay before this king, so to honor him when we come. But as he arrives at the humble birthplace of Jesus, who wasn't born in a palace, he was born in a feeding trough. Not where you would expect God to appear in flesh, but he did. Couldn't even find room in the hotel. No vacancies. So they had to go out back where the donkeys were and the stars and silence and smell and humility and there he was born this little unknown boy gets there and realizes I have no gift to bring to him I, I don't have anything of monetary value at all and he thinks what what can I do well, there's only one thing that I can offer him I can play my drum for him that drum represents himself his best, his talent, his life. And you know, I learned a long time ago, God doesn't really want yours, he wants you. And this little drummer boy had a revelation we all need to get. You know, the Lord is not loving us for what we can give to him. He had no gift to bring. He realized, I'm poor. I'm as poor as that feeding trough, as this environment into which this baby was born. I'm poor. He says, I don't have anything to bring to you, but here's what I can do. I can play my drum for you. I can live for you. I can give you my talent, my life, who I am, my best. I can pour out my adoration and affection on you. What I have has to come from here because I have nothing else to bring. And he hit on something in that song that we all need to hit on, that what he wants is that we play our drum for him, that we live for him, that we shine with his light, that we give him our heart, our all, our future, our past, everything we are or ever could be. I don't have anything to give to you monetarily, Lord. There's no way I could pay you off for what you did for me, but I can play my drum for you. It says, quote, little baby, I'm a poor boy too. I have no gift to bring that's fit to give our king. Shall I play for you on my drum? And in the song, Mother Mary hears this offer and nods with approval because that's the best that you can give. So he starts to play his drum. And he says that he gives his best. And this pleases the baby Jesus. Quote, Mary nodded. The ox and the lamb kept time. I played my drum for him. I played my best for him. My best. He didn't get my seconds, thirds, time off. I didn't squeeze him into my schedule. He got my best. And it says, then 
he smiled at me. Me and my drum. You can have the smile of men or you can have the smile of God, every one of us. You can please men or you can please God. You can live for the applause of men or you can live for the applause of God, every single person in this room. Now this song, there's a reason it's so popular. It's a beautiful and powerful and real picture of real life. It really is. We saw in the opening verses verses that Jesus lived for one purpose, to please the Father. He said, I do only those things that please Him. I play my drum for Him and only Him. Clearly, Jesus was the King of all God-pleasers, the ultimate role model. If you want to live right, live like Jesus. Paul, by the Spirit of God, exhorted Christians to live the same way for the Lord and not for the approving eye of man. As unto the Lord, he says, and not unto men. Now let me tell you something about you and me. Everybody within the range of my voice right now is living life for either the approval of men or the approval of God. Saved or not. We all play our drum every day in a hundred different ways for either the smile of men or the smile of God. And do you know what? The Bible teaches you can't do both. You're going to have to make a choice. Do I please men or do I please God? Do I get the smile of God or the smile of men? Am I going to live it out for men or am I going to live it out for God? James writes, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? Now why would that be? Because the world, the God of this world is the devil. And this world is not a receiver, not a lover, not an appreciator of Jesus Christ. Jesus said they love the darkness more than they do the light. So if you walk in the light... The world's not going to love you. James goes on to say, I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. You can't have the smile of God and the smile of men. The Bible warns that the fear of man's opinion brings a trap, but he who trusts in the Lord will be honored, Proverbs 29, 25. If you're afraid of what people think, you will never please the Father. And if you will please the Father, you've got to not worry about what people think. Every day and in many ways in a variety of contexts, we're going to have to make the decision, and we do every day, to either please God or please men. We will either play our drum for people or play our drum for God. That's just the reality of life. Our minds are trained this way, to ask one of two questions. What will they think or what will he think? What do they want me to do? How do they want me to act? How do they want me to live? Or what does he want me to do? How does he want me to act? How does he want me to live? One or the other. You're playing your drum for somebody. And so am I. At the end of our life, here's what we're going to say. Either I played my drum for them or I played my drum for him. See him? That's Tim Tebow. Now, hang on. I'm not a Broncos fan. I'm not defecting from the Cowboys. I don't want anybody mad where you can't hear me, but I'm going to talk not about a, a team, but about a lifestyle. And I'm not bragging on a man, I'm bragging on a lifestyle. Tim Tebow, he would have been aborted if his mother had listened to the doctor. 
but he wasn't aborted. Now, he's a son of missionaries, and he's been on the mission field himself many times throughout the years. Now, Tim Tebow came in as lead quarterback for the Denver Broncos about seven or eight weeks ago, and all of the sports commentators began to rail on him. They began to say, well, he's not a real good passer. He's kind of odd in the way that he does it. He's not a classic passer. He's not this. He's not that. He's not the other. But soon, it began to be clear what their real problem with him was. I mean, you can only, you can only fool the public for a little bit. You don't want to know what their problem with him was? You're looking at it right there. Because what he's doing is every time he makes a great play, he gets on his knees and he says, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now watch this. He's, he, he's driving the sports commentators crazy. He's driving ESPN nuts. Their ingrained bigotry towards Christians has begun to be revealed more and more and more. They're having to face the fact they don't know what to do with somebody who plays for an audience of one. <laughs> and, they, and they're afraid to interview him because he always says one thing. Well, I want to thank the Lord Jesus Christ, my Savior and Lord, for, for that play. Now, now and and it's gotten them to the point where they avoid him, they make fun of him. The players on the field have mocked him and ridiculed him, and they've begun to make fun of his stance. And one of them tackled him recently, and the player that tackled him got on his news and faked what has become known as the Tebow. Doing a Tebow, which means to get on one knee, put the hand or the elbow here on the other one, and give thanks to God and pray. And they began to mock him with that and ridicule him. And what was Tebow's response? Oh, that's okay. He, I don't take it seriously. It doesn't bother me at all. And he says, see, my problem is, he says, my problem is, see, if I was married to a great woman, wouldn't I want to go around bragging about her and talking about her and, and saying, well, well, I got me a great way. He says, but I'm single and a virgin. By his own admission, he said, but I can't help the way I love Jesus. You see, he's my husband, he's my, he's my savior, so he, he brags on him. And so now, what excites me, he's starting a trend among young people. Last week, some students in a high school were suspended for doing a Tebow in the hall. Not drugs, not the occult, not something dangerous or destructive, but getting on their knee and praying. And they got suspended for it. And they have, they have become angered by that. And now there's a backlash. And now whole sections of high schools are Tebowing in the halls. See, what's going to happen? <laughs> I mean, what a great trend. Teacher says, you got an A. Oh, hallelujah, I got an A. Well, that was a great speech, Johnny. Oh, hallelujah. I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What I want you to see is he's not pray, playing for the millions and millions who watch when seven weeks in a row they've won the game. Now, today he goes up against Tom Brady and the New England Pats. I'm not a fan of either one, but I'm going to watch because I want to see a Tebow. My point is this. Jesus is bigger to him than football. Jesus is bigger than him than the crowds. If he wanted to please the crowds and ESPN and all the other sports commentators and the crowds in the stands who would rather worship 
and idolize and give accolades to the bad boys. Oh no, he's going to walk with God and he's playing for an audience of one. And I wanted you to see, we are all, as Shakespeare said, all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances and one man in his time plays many parts. We're on the world stage. And we're going to play either for him or for them. And I want to encourage you today, live for Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Honor Jesus. Don't be afraid to lift him up. I'm telling you, everything in the world is coming out of the closet. We might as well. Come out of that closet. So there's two kinds of people here today. Those that play their drum for the accolades of men and those that play for an audience of one. The Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me tell you a few things about these two kinds of people before we go today. First, hear this because it's so true. Successfully accomplishing God's will or not will be decided by who you play your drum for. Because you can't play your drum for the world and do the will of God. It doesn't work. It can't work. Listen to what Paul said in Galatians 1 verse 10. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. If pleasing people were my goal, I could not be Christ's servant. Because if you're Christ's servant, you've got a promise. Are you ready? 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. When you live for Him, you're going against the grain of the world. You're swimming upstream. You are not going the direction of the world. You're not going down the broad road that leads to destruction. You're walking that narrow way that leads to life. And people will react to the light that is in you. It's not about you. It's about Him in you. You will never fulfill God's will for your life living for the approval of men. You can't do it. Because living for Christ, living for the audience of one, will often put you at odds with people. You have to take a stand. You know, I can't remember any milquetoast person in history. I can only remember people who etched their names in history by taking a stand and being strong. God's called us to take a stand. Think a moment. Can you imagine if Paul or Peter or Jesus himself had lived for the approval of men? Can you imagine that? The reason we know of them is because they didn't live for the approval of men. We wouldn't have most of the teaching in the New Testament. Our salvation would never have been secured by Jesus' death on the cross. Christianity would never have gotten down the street if they had been afraid of the opinion of men. When Peter was afraid of man's opinion, he denied even knowing Christ. He couldn't even maintain his testimony in front of a little teenage girl at a campfire. He was found hiding behind locked doors, shaking in his sandals, terrified, that people would think that he was aligned with Christ. But when Peter got filled with the Holy Spirit and threw the fear of men's opinion out the back window, he reached the world for Christ and chiseled his name onto the rock of history. People that take a stand, that have a spine. I'm tired of compromise. 
We need people to stand up and say, I'm not ashamed of him. I'm not afraid to tell you that I know him. He's the best thing that's ever happened to me. The Christian rock group Petra used to sing a song based on living for an audience of one. It was called God Pleaser, and in it, Bob Hartman wrote these words, quote, So many voices telling me which way to go. So many choices come from those who think they know. There's a way that seems right to a man, but it only brings him death. I want to go the way that leads to life till I draw my dying breath. I just want to glorify his son, to make my father proud that I'm his child before I'm done. No need to pat me on the back or stop to shake my hand. I just want to hear my father say, well done, well done. And don't you? If you live for the amen of others, you'll be forced to turn Jesus down over and over again. Hide him under a bushel. Cover up your light. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian on Sunday and the rest of the week, well, you know, I've got to meld and merge and, and, and get in there and, and be one of them. No, 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 get in there and shine. There's people everywhere that want to know why you are the way you are. So the first thing about performing for an audience of one, you've got to decide, it's, it's a decision, that you're going to be a God-pleaser and not a man-pleaser. I'm not talking about getting out there and being obnoxious with your faith. You've got to use wisdom you got to use love. You need to balance it. But I am talking about getting out there with it. Look at what people are coming out of the closet with. If they can do that, then just go tell people, well, you know, the best thing that ever happened to me was Jesus Christ. If you want to perform for the audience of one, you've got to be a God pleaser. Ever aware that the watchful eye of God is there. And when it's a choice between standing for him and with him or pleasing people, you have to make a decision and say, I'm going I'm to get the smile of God. Second thing I want to tell you is who you play your drum for will decide your future rewards in heaven. Salvation is free. Rewards are earned. You didn't know that, did you? Salvation is by grace alone, by faith. But there's a crown for a pastor. There's a crown for the soul winner. There's a crown for the martyr. There's, there's crowns and there's rewards that are divvied out according to 1 Corinthians 3. When we go before the judgment seat of Christ, the, the Christian will never see the great white throne judgment where sin is judged, but we will see the judgment seat of Christ where we will be judged for how we lived our life on this earth. And, and rewards will be divvied out. They will be given. Well done. Here's your crown. Well done. Here's your crown. Well done. Here's your crown. And there's your mansion. If you live your life for the opinion of men, the Bible says that's wood, hay, and stubble, and it will be burned up. But if you live your life to please the Lord, that's gold, silver, and precious stones, and there's where you get your reward. Jesus talked a lot about men-pleasers and God-pleasers in the Sermon on the Mount. His most famous message, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He spoke about living for the audience of one. Jesus did. About doing what we do, ever aware of the watchful eye of God. He said God's watching and weighing. God's looking. God's going to reward you. 
He talked about either doing things to be seen by men or doing things to be seen by the Father who he said watches in secret. And he pointed out the Pharisees as the worst men-pleasers of his day. They lived for the accolades of men. They prayed so men could say, don't they pray good? They gave so men could say, don't they give good? They fasted, walking around looking like they were half dead, just so you would ask them, what's the matter? Oh, I'm fasting. And Jesus said, right then, they got their reward, and that's all they're going to get. Lap it up, soak it up, because the praise of men is all you're going to receive for that fast. What a waste of no meals. If I'm going to fast, I'm going to get divine credit. (laughs) For example, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 5, and 6, And now about prayer. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly. (laughs) They love it. They stand on street corners and in the synagogues where everybody can see them and hear them, and they try to impress them with all the these and thous and wouldas and shouldas and couldas and god duh. I don't know what happens to some preachers. They get that uh on the end of every word. I'm just thinking out loud. <laughs> and duh, god duh, you know I uh, need to get saved up. Uh. And then you talk to them in private and they're normal. And, and God, you know. And, Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, now, listen to what Jesus said. They, they pray so everybody can see them. I assure you, that is all the reward they will ever get, the praise of men. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father secretly. Then your Father who sees you secretly will openly reward you. Wow. Did you catch that? The only reward the Pharisees ever got was the immediate momentary praise of men. But the sincere believer who's living for an audience of one, he prays to the Lord. He fasts to the Lord. He gives to the Lord. He performs mundane tasks, thankless tasks, that no one ever says anything to him about. But he knows that he's being watched by the one who is his ultimate rewarder. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. Jesus said, your father who sees you in secret will reward you where everybody can tell you got blessed. We all have a choice. When you give to the needy, when you pray, when you fast, when you serve, Do you do it for the applause of others or do you do it for the applause of the audience of one? Put a smile on his face, the little drummer boy. I played my drum for him. I played my best for him. Then he smiled at me. Donald Whitney said, when you play to an audience of one, the applause never ends. You want your father's smile or do you want the world's smile? I learned a long time ago, early on in my walk, no way I can please God and live for the approval of men. I was, I majored in radio, TV, film in, for my undergraduate degree. Um, and I went to a party school, a real party school. And I made up my mind before I ever got there early on that I played for an audience of one. That's just something that 
we understood when we got saved, those of us in the Jesus movement that came out of hippiedom and drugdom and all that mess, we understood that you don't just get a ticket to ride someday to heaven, but you've got to live as Him being your Lord in this life, and you live for an audience of one, and sometimes you're going to catch flack. And in my film class, we were all told, you've got to do a three-minute film. All of you have to do a three-minute film, and everybody else in your class will be your helpers. You'd have the people holding the cable, you'd have the camera operators, you'd have the audio director and the video director and all that. They were all your classmates. And so it was this time of year, it was Christmas time, when it came time for me to do my little three-minute video. So I thought, what can I do to appeal to these intellectual giants in this room? Yuck, yuck, that's a joke, son. But these, these college people, surely they'll be interested if I do something on the prophecies that were fulfilled concerning Jesus Christ. I mean, undeniable, intellectually intriguing, right? I mean, really something that's going to make you stop and think. So I, I, I thought, that's what I'm going to do. So I put together little verses like, um, Thou shalt call his name Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, the increase of his government, there'll be no end. Micah 5, 2, but you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you shall he come forth, whose goings have been of old, even from everlasting, meaning the Bible predicted that an eternal personality would invade planet Earth via Bethlehem. Where was he born? Bethlehem. So I thought, I mean, the odds are like one in one quadrillion or something like that, all the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. So I thought, this has got to, and maybe I'll even be able to witness after the video. Wow, Jeff, I didn't know all that. These were my classmates. So the time came. Roll it. I'm sitting there, I'm the talent, I'm on camera, and I'm reading these cue cards, and I'm reading these prophecy verses. I heard something, movement, but I couldn't tell what it was because the lights were shining in my eyes. So I finished. thought it was great. When I was done, I stood up. There's no one in that room. No one in that room. I went, wow, was there a fire drill or something? <laughs> yeah, sort of. <laughs> sort of. And so there was one girl who was a Christian left in the room. She was embarrassed for me. She said, Jeff, I'm sorry. They all left. Left? Where are they? I think they're in the hall. I walked down the hall. Here they were, leaned up, foot up against the wall, smoking their cigarettes, ignoring me. I went into my teacher who also walked out. I said, what are you doing? You're supposed to grade. Oh, I, I got a call. Some, some crazy excuse. And it hit me. It was too bright in there. Listen, it was too bright in there. I was used to preaching and ministering, and, and I didn't know there was an anointing resting on me, and they could not take just hearing the Word of God. And, but boy, did it sting. Oh, yeah, it stung. And, and on the way home, I said, Lord, they all walked out on me as if he didn't know. You know, sometimes you tell the Lord, Lord, I, I, you know, I really, uh, that person really hurt me. And, God never says, well, I'll be. <laughs> never. And so, but I told him, Lord, they all walked out on me. What? They walked out on me. And the Lord said, didn't I tell you? If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. 
If they walk away from me, they'll walk away from you. And why are you surprised, Jeff? You're playing for an audience of one. But you know what? You got my smile. I'd rather have his smile than that whole class's smile. Because he's blessed me. I don't know what became of them, but I know it can't have been good as in blessed. Because he's the source of blessing. You got to live for the audience of one and let the chips fly and let it let God handle it. But I'm gonna give you a challenge for 2012. I'm gonna challenge you, sir, ma'am, young, old, I'm gonna challenge you to live for him and live for him alone. I want you to think is he the audience of one I'm living for? Or do I live for that audience of one a day or two a week and the rest of the time I'm playing for them? A hundred times a day you're going to have the choice. I'm asking you to make the choice to say, you know, I'm going to live for you. And you might have never in your life given your heart to Christ. Why would you drive away and not do it today? Do you know that if you came to him today, you could always look back and say at Christmas time, 2011, I gave my heart to him. He doesn't want to hurt you. He doesn't want to turn you into something you don't want to be. He wants to bless you, maximize your potential, favor your life, deliver you from what is destroying you. Can you stand with me today? And please, as little movement as possible, unless it's this way, don't leave yet because they're going to sing for us again and it's incredible. I don't want you to miss it. But right now, it's just you and him. I'm going to ask you to bow for a moment of prayer. You may be visiting today because you're in town visiting your family. Do you know that you may never hear another message like this? You may never have another chance like this. I'm going to challenge you today to open your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And let him forgive you and let him come into your life and bring his blessing if you used to walk with him but you've drifted and really you haven't been playing for that audience of one the opinion of people has put a fear on you or you've cared too much about what they think and you've begun to put them in front of him I'm challenging you today to take a stand I sense that God is preparing our church to be that sling in David's hand that releases the gospel into the giant's head and sees giants fall this year. And I'm going to ask you to be a part. Help us reach people. Let your life count for him. With your heads bowed, if you can say, Pastor, I used to walk with him, and I still have in some ways, but admittedly the opinion of people I've begun to play my drum for others a relationship or friends or co-workers and I want to take a stand and say I play now for an audience of one if you have never accepted Christ you can do it right now today with our heads bowed if you can say Pastor Jeff 
I want to commit myself to that again for this new year. I know I need it. I want you to raise your hand right where you are. I'm going to play for that audience of one. I see you everywhere. God bless you. I want you to do something. This is a great place to start. I'm going to ask you to slip out from where you are and just come and stand right here. And in so doing, say, I'm going to begin right here what I'm going to do in life. I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to take a visible stand in front of others. And then I'm going to go out of here and do it out there in the public. I want you to come now. Come quickly. Just begin to slip out and come. Come right now. Because we're going to pray a prayer that's going to change us and prepare us for a year of influence and blessing and favor. Young people, older folks, I want you to come. And we're going to pray together. Give your heart to the Lord. Give your heart to Christ. Renew your walk with Him. We're going to worship just a couple of stanzas. You keep coming. Say, today's the day. I'm going to take a stand. No more divided between two. I'm going to take a stand. The audience of one. Come on. Let's worship. How great.